Thanks for joining us for today's message. Our mission here at Plum Creek is to help you experience intimacy with God, intentionality with family, and influence with others. Our hope is that what you hear today will impact and challenge you to love God and the people around you in a whole new way. We'd encourage you to check us out online at PlumCreekOnline.com to see how Plum Creek is impacting our community and what opportunities we might have for you or for your family to get connected. If you'd like to support the ministry we're doing here in Castle Rock, the two easiest ways are through our website, plumcreekonline.com give or via text. Just text any dollar amount to 720-606-5563. Thanks again for joining us today. Lots of bronco blue and orange today. We call it Bronco Blue and Orange because the Bear Blue and Orange, which you stole the colors from Chicago, has already been packed up and put away. And so we're going to go a little longer today. It'll be about 3, okay? Because starting about 1.30, we're going to have a special prayer meeting for the Chicago Bear Draft that's coming up, right? So I would really invite you guys to come and help me with that. That would be awesome. No, thank you so much for being here. Uh, We are... Uh, in their series that we started back at the beginning of the year called The Comeback. And we've been talking about The Comeback. It's been fun. Hopefully, the Broncos won't have to do that today, right? Are you guys okay if that doesn't have to happen today? Uh, if it does, we hope it happens. But um, uh, we, there's something inside of us that loves a comeback, and, and we're drawn to that. Not only is it something that we like to see happen in a sporting event, but uh, we also like to experience that in our lives. And so we've been talking about that uh, this year so far. We, the first week we talked about how if you're going to have a comeback, you have to just have a mentality, a, a heart set, a mindset that's going to look at difficulty and challenge differently. You can't let difficulty defeat you. You actually have to almost be inspired by tough times, right, if you're going to experience a comeback. You have to have some expectation that those things might happen And you need to be ready to respond. And we have a problem in the church that tells us sometimes we get this feeling that if I say yes to Jesus, then everything's just going to be perfect all the time. Well, it's going to be hard to have a comeback unless we look at life's challenges differently. And and then sometimes uh, you're going to experience a failure in life. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to do something you wish you didn't do. And and, uh, if you're going to experience a comeback, you're going to have to have a plan to be able to respond to that as well. Because... Our failures, if we're not careful, knock us down and push us down and keep us down. But if we're going to experience a comeback, we have to, we have to definitely know how to, how to deal with our greatest regrets and biggest failures. And then last week, see, sometimes in life, uh, things seem to go for so long, so much water under the bridge, so to speak, that we get to the place where we feel like we need to throw in the towel, like there's no hope, uh, that it's too late, that I've done too much, that... There's no way that it could ever change, and we also need to know today that as long as you're here and you have a heartbeat and you can hear my voice right now and you're breathing, it's not too late for a comeback. It's possible. And the beautiful thing that we've been looking at during this series is that our God is the God of the comeback. So we want to continue it this week as well as we kind of wrap up this series. And I want to first tell you a little bit of a story uh, from the Gospels. I was reading in the Gospels in Luke chapter 4, and uh, Jesus has just walked through the 40 days. Let me set you up with a little bit of history. We're not going to stay in that passage, so don't spend too much time uh, on your phone getting there yet. Just follow along with me for a second. 
Uh, Jesus has just spent 40 days in the wilderness. He's been fasting and being tempted. Uh, and then uh, after, on the heels of that, he goes into his hometown. His hometown was Nazareth. And he begins to teach. Oftentimes he would find his, his way to the synagogue, of course, and he would be teaching. And that's what he was doing. And in this particular message that he taught, which wasn't very well responded to, by the way. You might want to read this story later. Uh, he shares a passage from Isaiah 61, a very famous teaching of Jesus. He kind of brings back the story from Isaiah, or the teaching from Isaiah 61, and he teaches a ministry or a, a message that basically inaugurates his ministry. It's basically talking about the kingdom of God and what's coming. And something interesting happens. And if you're like me, I'm, I'm sure you have the same thing happen when you're reading scripture too. You'll come across a time where perhaps like this one, Jesus is teaching and he talks about something from the Old Testament that sparks something in your mind like, man, I think I ought to go back and check that one out. So let me show you what Jesus said because there were people that were wanting him to, to heal everybody. And obviously we know from reading in scripture not everybody got healed. And he's talking about that, especially in his hometown. And so look what he says. This is really interesting to me. He says, and he's talking about this story. He said, and there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, right? So you guys remember Elisha from the Old Testament. He says this, but the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. So basically he's saying, that uh, there were lots of people that needed help back then too, and the prophet uh, only, only healed one person of leprosy, and his name was Naaman. So Jesus uses this example and illustration, as he often did, from the Old Testament, a story of dramatic healing, a story about a Syrian field general. That's cool to me. Something happened in this guy's life. And so what I want to do is jump to this story. If you have your Bibles, your smartphones, your iPad, whatever it is, turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, and this is where we're going to go, because I want to know more about the dude Jesus was talking about. How about you? So we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 1. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman. There he is. This is the guy that Jesus was talking about. The commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Let's talk about this for a second. Um, this is a guy who has an incredible reputation, right? He's a leader. Not only um, does he have leadership capabilities, he's also a field general. The guy's running the show. He's well-respected. He has a reputation for his military victories and for being able to lead his men into battle and in that passage of scripture we see though there's something about Naaman he suffers from leprosy have you ever seen anyone that suffers from leprosy raise your hand if you've seen someone in our last service we there's a few a couple of you that means you likely have traveled overseas right or you you're from Texas well, let me tell you why. I mean, Wes almost stood up and left when I told him this, but listen, armadillos carry the bacteria that causes leprosy. Yeah, so don't mess with an armadillo, right? Um, but several years ago, I went on a mission trip to West Africa, and I was in, in Senegal, and one of the things that we had opportunity to do was to, to um, bring literally a ton of rice to a remote village, and it was a leper village. And we had to get special permission to go into this leper village. And so I sat down with the, the chief of the leper village, which, again, you know, I think that's like short straw, right? And uh, we sat down to talk. It was like 90 degrees. He had a black robe and a stocking hat on. 
and we talked and the conversation was interesting because I would obviously speak in English and then it was translated into French and then translated into his native tongue and you could take a nap before he like responded back so it was this long conversation and he kept looking at our bus that had all this rice on top of it and eventually he said that we could come in and so I had our crew unload the, uh, the rice and we brought it in and, and we're able to bless the village with a whole bunch of food uh, but then we got to go into the village and we played with the kids and we actually had an opportunity as well to do a little service there and the lady that let us do the service on her little plot of land uh, had suffered from leprosy and was in the latter stages of the effects of leprosy on her body. She had no fingers on her hands. They, they had all fallen off. And she had, her feet were just stubs. And so she hobbled along uh, to be able to, to walk around in this village. And she had no nose because leprosy had taken her nose and her ears were gone. So she was, she was in pretty bad shape. And she was starting to go blind because that's part of the latter stages of leprosy. It takes your eyesight as well. And here's a tragedy. I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but if you take a triple dose of antibiotics, so three different antibiotics, it'll, take, it'll wipe leprosy right out. Isn't that crazy? Which, of course, if you're like me in your heart, you're like, so Why? Why has anybody got leprosy anymore? You know, like, we got to get those antibiotics wherever we can all over the world to the most remote places where people might have leprosy, of course. And if there's a way for us to be able to help with that, man, we need to figure that out, don't you think? But it's not good. Leprosy is a slow disease that eventually will take your life. Let me show you what I see here. This is a great example of something that I believe we all face, every single one of us. Um, we all have the tendency of doing a good job covering up the things that we know we need to work on. You see, Naaman was a soldier, so he would have his armor on, right? He'd have his fatigues on. And you might not be able to notice the fact that he had leprosy. As a matter of fact, we're good at that, right? You have 140 characters on your Twitter feed, right? And you're going to make yourself sound as good as you can in 140 characters or on your Facebook page. How about this, guys? How about if we just decided that for the next two weeks, the only pictures we are going to post is us when we first wake up in the morning. <laughs> we don't want to do that, do we? Because we want to put our best out there, right? And sometimes we even kind of pretend a little bit, don't we? Because what we put out there might not be a completely accurate picture of everything that's happening in our lives. Because sometimes what's going on in here is definitely not seen out here. The condition of who you really are in your heart is in conflict with what we put out there for everyone else to see. A contradiction between who you are and who God wants you to be. You see, Naaman, he was an incredible man, a leader, a general, a warrior. He was a guy that understood how to, how to get his men ready for battle to make sure that they had their armor on right. The strategy would have all been laid out and he was prepared to lead these men and put their life on the line. Going to battle was no big deal for him. He'd done it many, many, many times before. As a matter of fact, he could fight in his sleep and he was known for winning. But he had leprosy. What is it that you are known for? Maybe you're a husband a wife, a grandma, a grandpa. Maybe you're a, a son or a daughter, a student. 
Maybe you're super smart. Maybe you're athletic. Maybe you're musical. Maybe you know how to lead like this guy did. Maybe you're an entrepreneur at heart. Maybe you know how to start things well, invent things. Maybe you're good working with your hands or running machinery. Maybe you know how to manage or maybe you're just a great counselor, a teacher. Maybe you preach. Maybe you organize. Maybe you're good with numbers. Last service, I walked in before the service began and there was a school teacher grading papers waiting for the service to start. Maybe you're a teacher and you have an influence on kids. Maybe you're a hard worker and you know how to sell. Maybe you coach well. Or maybe, maybe you're called a Christian. And these can all be things that we hide behind, can't they? Here's what we do. We hide behind things all the time, and you need to see what happens in this story. This is so powerful. Um, we got to look at it again. We see the great things that he's done. The king, the king likes this guy. He's got favor with the king of the land. And he is, he's a commander of his army. Guy's got responsibility and prestige, and, and he's looked at well. He has influence. And through him the Lord had given great victories. He's known for victories. And then what's this word right here? Everybody say it together. Say it again. It's okay, we're in church. Though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Here's a little play on words. Here's what I know to be true. Everyone here has a butt. And everybody's learned how to cover it. All of us have learned in some way to cover the things that are good or that are inside of us. We, we cover the things that are eating us away while still looking good on the outside. We have a tendency to do this. And if we're honest, there are things that are on the inside that have the potential to eat us, eat us alive just like leprosy does. We have something that we're trying to hide. We know that it's potentially debilitating. And you know what? We don't want anybody else to see it because we're worried. We're worried about what other people might think or what other people might say, and this is the stuff that then really holds us back, and in a moment of honesty, we also know deep inside of us it really bothers us. But here's the, here's the key. Today we also know that if it's going to change, we need to have a comeback from this stuff. You might want to write this down. Take your notes out. Uh, this is a good one to write down. We employ our abilities to hide our insufficiencies we employ our abilities to hide from our insufficiencies. And if we're going to experience a comeback, we have to address this. You can see on your journey guide, the main thought for this weekend is this. I can uncover my comeback. Circle that. And you might want to underline the first word of that sentence. You see, leprosy is dangerous. And given enough time, it's going to spread. And uh, it, it will take you out. You can, might be able to cover it up, but it will kill you. It has the power to take you down and take you out. And this is true for these things that are deep inside of our lives too that oftentimes we cover up as well. They have the potential to take us down and to take us out. If something doesn't change, this has the potential to be totally destructive. And you might look good on the outside, but deep inside of who you are, you know you struggle maybe with anger. Let's just say it's anger. Everybody else thinks you're okay, but you have lack of patience that's obvious to some. But you cover it up on the outside when other people see you. Maybe you're, you're, you're spending a lot and you like to buy things and those things have helped rack up some serious debt. 
Or maybe you struggle with a bad habit or an addiction. Or maybe you can't let go of unforgiveness that is deeply seated, rooted in your heart and in your soul. You may look like you're succeeding on the outside, but in a moment of honesty, you know it's not as good as it seems. You need a comeback. You want things to be different. You need a comeback. Maybe you even are scared. You need a comeback. Maybe you're worried about being found out. At the same time, you're working hard to cover this stuff up. You know that it needs to be addressed. Most people might not be able to see it. Most people wouldn't even guess that this is part of your life. Most people don't know the truth. The armor covers it, but you know the truth. You need to come back. And just like there was stuff under Naaman's armor, there's stuff under your armor, and there's stuff under my armor, and we need to stop hiding it. Our main thought is that we can uncover my comeback. So I want you to see how how this story unfolds. Look at uh, 2 Kings uh, chapter 5, verse 2, and it says this, At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. This is really interesting to me when you look at it. Where did they raid? Where? Israel. And that was where the prophet was, right? It's interesting. And so this young girl had been given uh, to Naaman's wife, the guy with leprosy, as a maid. You've got to see what happens as this continues to unfold. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. The servant girl, you see, she knows what's going on, doesn't she? You know why? Because she sees Naaman when he doesn't have his armor on. She sees it differently because he... He has to take his armor off sometime, right? The fatigues do come down. For all of you that were in the military, you know that's true. She's seen him without his battle gear. And listen, we might just need to pause for a second and say, there may be some real wisdom in listening to the people that are closest to us. And I wonder if the people that are closest to you actually know the real you. This could be helpful because... They have the potential to know you best, but we need to be careful as well because oftentimes we dismiss it pretty quick, don't we? What is it that the Spirit of God has been whispering to you when you're not rolling with your fatigues on? When you don't have your armor covering everything up, what is it that God says to you in those private moments, those people that are closest to you, Have you given them a chance to really even know the real you? It's not too late, but you've got to take action. Naaman knew this. You see, he said this. I, I, he knows that if he doesn't deal with what's going on underneath his armor, eventually what's going on underneath his armor is going to take him down. He's not going to win any more battles at a certain point. He's not going to be able to fight without hands and feet. He knows what's coming, what's going on underneath that armor, the places where they're not normally exposed where people cannot easily see you see the question really ultimately becomes this what good is public victory if deep inside of us there's private defeat what good is it so Naaman he goes and he tells the king about what this servant girl said like she says there's this prophet in Israel and if I go talk to this prophet there's there's a chance 
that he might heal me. And the king's like, why? You kidding me? You run and you have a reputation for running my army. I'm going to send you. Not only am I going to send you, I'm going to send you with an entourage. I'm going to send you with gifts. And so if you read this passage of scripture, he gets a letter of endorsement from his king. And he goes with 750 pounds of silver. He also takes with him 150 pounds of gold and 10 new outfits. That must have been for the ladies. Horses and some sweet chariots with tinted windows. That's not really in there. But they would look cool, right? And so he takes off and he heads towards this place where Elisha is. And we got to pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 5. Look at verse 9. So Naaman went, to his, or went with his horses and his chariots with the tinted windows, and he waited at the door of Elisha's house, but Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Now you've got to see what happens here. This is a fascinating story. So the, the messenger says, Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. Man, we read that and we think, what? That is such an easy comeback, right? That's all we have to do is go wash in the river? All he has to do. This isn't a hard thing to do. It seems so simple. But you see, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge here. Undoubtedly, Naaman, this guy, he rolls with the posse, right? The king endorsed him with a letter. And so when he comes to talk to you, do you know who he wants to talk to? You. And he wants you to be proud of the fact that he's come to talk to you. He doesn't want the messenger he doesn't want an intern to come out. He wants to talk to the man. Now, it's interesting that Elisha sends the intern. The intern's good enough for Elisha because he knows that he's going to give him the message that God has given him, but that's not the way Naaman likes it. Look at, look at verse 11. This is crazy. You've got to see what happens. Naaman, he becomes, what's the word? Angry. And what does he do? He stalks away. And look, now you're going to pick it all up here. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. He doesn't like the fact that the prophet sent this messenger. And so it continues. Look how he responds. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Farpar better than any of the rivers in Israel? This sounds like a dude from Colorado, right? And you know why he was saying that? Because it's actually closer to the mountains. Cleaner water, colder water, bigger trout. Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So look what happens. So Naaman turned and went away in what? A rage. A rage. What, what was the problem? What did he need healed? His leprosy. He goes and he gets a very, very easy message, right? All you need to go is, all you need to do is go and wash in the, in the river and you will be healed seven times. Sometimes we look at this kind of a story and we think, wow, how is this possible, Naaman? You are such a joker. Just listen and go dip in the water. Why you got to have such a ego? Why is that got to rise up in you that way? All you need to do is go to the river. Sometimes the real challenge comes from a place that you and I have been overlooking. You see, he doesn't like it that there's an intern. Naaman, he feels disrespected. And so his pride rises up. We read this and we think, gosh, there's no way I would ever respond, respond like he did. But the reality is 
that our pride gets the best of us too, doesn't it? But I can uncover my comeback. This is really important. You see, we like to blame everybody else about these things that we are covering up. We like to blame it on everybody else. We like to say, guys, we do this right. It's, it's my wife's fault, right? It's not true. It's you. And ladies, I know you do the same thing sometimes, and you'll say, you know what? This, this stuff is my husband's fault. If he just treated me differently, if our relationship just looked a little differently, it wouldn't need to be this way. But the reality is, it's not... It's not his fault, it's your fault. Sometimes students, we think, you know, it's my, my parents, right? They're holding me back. No, no, it's you. It's your responsibility. Sometimes we think it's our friends, and we need to keep it real today. If you want to experience a comeback, listen, each and every one of us are going to have to stop making excuses. We're going to have to own up to this stuff And we're going to have to respond to it by not hiding, not blaming, and not comparing. See, isn't it interesting that we compare ourselves to other people? And when we're comparing ourselves to other people, it's highly likely that they're not being real either. And so it's really about who covers up best, right? So-and-so, yeah, well, I'm better than them. Well, they're just not as good at hiding stuff as you are yet. You've gotten really good at covering it up, and everyone thinks you're doing okay. Maybe some people even think you're doing better than okay. Maybe they think you're killing it, but you know the truth. Because we all have some kind of armor that we put up to to hide ourselves, to cover ourselves from the reality. You see, Naaman's thoughts are are blocking out God's plan, his plan. Naaman wants a different plan, right? He doesn't want the intern. He wants the prophet to come out. It's not just, I hope you're seeing this, his leprosy that needs to be touched. Just like for us, it's probably got to start with our pride too. Look what happens here. So he's walking away. Remember, we left him in the story and he was mad, right? He's frustrated. But his officers tried to reason with him and they said this. They said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something, and look at this. I think this is interesting, very difficult, because he's a guy that does very difficult stuff, right? I'm a warrior, you know? I lead him tough. I'm a tough guy. I should be respected. How come he sent a messenger? And they say to him, well, listen, like, uh, I mean, we came here so you could get this message from this prophet, and now your pride is rising up. If he'd have asked you to do something really hard, listen, you'd have done it. But he asked you to do something simple. He says, so you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. Now watch what happens. This is a great part of the story. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Wow. Incredible lessons for us to learn in this story. You know, thank God for interruptions. Thank God for his prompt. Thank God for good friends that tell the truth. Thank God for those that are closest to us that aren't afraid to have a conversation with us about things that need to change. But I wonder in this season of your life, has your pride gotten in the way of the comeback that God wants you to experience? What is it that you're covering up or ignoring that in your heart you know 
God has been speaking to you about. Could it be that in order for you to experience the comeback, you're going to have to go somewhere that you pridefully have refused to go for a while? Maybe it's been so long that you, you've ignored it so long that you, in your own mind, in your own heart, you've kind of convinced yourself it's not really even a problem anymore, even though in a quiet moment with God you know it is. You see, we need to set our pride aside, we need to take off our armor, and we need to stop trying to cover it up because today, if you take action like Naaman did, you've got to do something. It was God that made the healing happen, right? But he had to go down to the river, submit his pride, and dip seven times in the water. There's something that you and I need to do too to experience this comeback that God wants us to have as well. The thing Naaman came to get healed of, the skin condition, was only part of what needed to be healed. And I would venture to guess the same is true for each of us as well. The condition of his heart needed to be healed just like the condition of my heart and the condition of your heart. Will you bow your heads for just a moment? We need to stop ignoring what's beneath the armor and pretending that we're okay when we know we're not. We need to stop hiding from the truth because the scriptures tell us the truth, it'll set us free. And maybe you're here today and God's been speaking to you. Maybe, maybe as we got started, you knew <clears throat> that there's something that you need to address. Man, listen to me today. Don't let your pride stop you from experiencing the comeback that God wants you to experience today. It's you and me that are going to have to take a step. We're going to have to do something. But you know, as we started, we were singing these songs about our Heavenly Father that loves us, that He, he cares about us. You're His child. And I got to tell you, there's nothing, nothing more powerful in my life when my kids come to me and say, Dad, I need your help. I want to help my kids. Our Heavenly Father wants to help us too. He wants to help you. Maybe today you're here and you're not even sure how you got here, but you realize in this moment that what we've been talking about is is we've been talking about uh, experiencing a comeback and overcoming some things that we maybe have needed to overcome for a long time. But now you're realizing that you've been trying to foster a comeback on your own and it hasn't happened. Maybe even today, you're weary, you're tired. And the truth is that you've never, you've never asked him for his power to be at work in you. And if that's you, I just want you simply to pray with me in this moment because this is your moment. God, I know I need you. I've been trying to do this on my own. I haven't been able to experience the victory that, that I really know I need. I know I've fallen short of your perfect standard and in this moment, I, I just... I just want to tell you I'm sorry. I thank you that you went to the cross for me and that when you 
that when you died for me, you gave me a chance to be able to experience a comeback in a new way, and today I accepted that that, that was mine, that you did that for me. Not only that, but you came back from that grave and the same power that brought you from that place is at work in me. And now I pray that you will help me to understand that in a whole new way. And now for many of us that are here, uh, this is a big weekend. And maybe you would say to me, you know, Doug, uh, I needed, I needed to hear this today. I needed to be challenged. And this weekend is about taking some steps. And so I want everybody's heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you and you're here today and you would say, you know what, Doug? I needed to hear this message today. It's a challenge to me. Again, nobody looking around. We just raise your hand real quick and say, you know what? That's me. Yeah, a lot of hands. Thanks, you guys. You can put them down. Father, you've seen those that have responded today. And in this moment, Lord, I pray that you would move through this place. Father, I pray that you will do what I can't, that you will encourage hearts, you will empower, you will bring us to a place of embracing truth, and then, Lord, you will help us to know exactly how to move forward, to be able to overcome from these things. Lord, help us to not live life in isolation. Help us to be able to surround ourselves by other people that are on this faith journey with us that can help us to hold us accountable, to give us insight, strength, encouragement when we need it most. Lord, help us to experience how the truth can set us free that we would experience incredible comebacks this year. We need your help, Lord. It's very clear that we're not gonna be able to do this on our own. So we thank you that you are our heavenly father, your daddy. And today we ask you for your help. In your name we pray, amen. So I know that when you uh, hear a uh, a message like this, it's highly likely that you're thinking, man, I need to do something. I need to respond in some way. There's something that I need to do to be able to have some more clarity on how I can take some steps that would be helpful uh, throughout the next uh, several months in this year as we're heading into 2016. So we have something that we're going to hand out to you as you leave today. This is a tool that we use here at church on a regular basis. Uh, it's an evaluative tool that you can use in virtually any circumstance. Any, if you've been around and you're serving on leadership teams here, it's highly likely that our staff has walked you through this exercise and you've used this as a tool to evaluate. We call it the four helpful lists. It's not new to us. This was invented by uh, a guy named Tom uh, Patterson, an incredible thinker, strategic thinker. You know, we, we, we challenge and talk a lot about the God, family, and others' life, right? And so what I want you to do is grab one of these on your way out, and this is going to become a tool for you to just do some introspection. Many of our men and our men's groups have done this. Our staff has done it uh, individually, personally, and we've shared our, our kind of our findings with each other. Our board has walked through this together because I believe it is incredibly helpful, and it's proven to be that for me too. So regardless of where you find yourself right now on your journey and even in the dynamics of the relationships that you're in, uh, you can use this tool to evaluate. The first thing that I want you to do is when you get this, I want you to do, I want you to do it four times uh, for most of you, four times. The first one is your personal relationship with the Lord. I want you to ask yourself this question, what is it that's going right? What is, what is good right now in my relationship? I love him. I, and you could say I went to church even though the Broncos were getting ready to play. You know, you could put that stuff down there. I prayed for the Broncos to win. You, some of you probably did that already today. Uh, so what is right? I'm just kidding. You can write things down here like I'm in a journey group or you could write down I read the Bible, I pray, those kinds of things. Put that down. And then you're going to ask yourself, depending on your circumstance and situation, you know, what's wrong? 
What, what needs to change? And so you need to write some of those things down. Maybe it's that you don't uh, read your Bible enough, or maybe you're not praying the way you want to, or maybe you want to start journaling or whatever. What's confused? What is it that's confusing to you? And you're, well, how come I don't do that? One of the things that is confusing for me personally is I love to study and read, right? And so I'll get my Bible out, I'll get my journal out. I love to read and I love to write down my thoughts, and you'll see dovetailed pages because it's a sermon idea or whatever. I do all that. But I don't, then I do that so long that I'd run out of time and I don't pray the way I should. I was really frustrated about that. And I was talking to one of our board members about it not a couple of years ago. And, and she said, you know, why don't you pray first? And so I was confused and I found an answer that could move it into the right. It's that simple. I was like, what a great idea, you know. Why am I that dumb, right? So you can do this. And, and what you do after you've answered these questions is you just pray. Pray before you start writing. And then you pull back away from it. Step back a little bit. And you just pray this prayer. Lord, what is it that I could begin to do right now in this season of my life that would help me to have the most positive traction in my relationship with you this year? Just ask that question. Encircle a couple of things that you know will make a big difference in your life. And then move to your family dynamics. And I know each of our family circumstances are different. If, if you're married, you, you do this about your marriage. If you're single, you can do this about your extended family and that you're influenced. Maybe you're a grandpa, you're an uncle, an aunt. Write those things down and ask yourself how you're doing with your influence in your family's life. And then you can move to the others piece. How am I doing being an influence in the world around me? And, and how am I doing about intentionally talking to other people about the Lord? And so if you'll do this uh, four ways, we're going to do this, we're going to talk about it again next week, uh, but I would just really encourage you to, to do this. Can you do that? Listen, look at me. I double dog dare you. If you'll do it well and pray before you do, I know God will speak to you and he will give you some clear action points that will help you to be able to move forward, take some steps that will be very helpful in 2016. We stand your feet. Football Sunday is coming up, so it's the last time I'm going to get to wear my Bears jersey, right? So uh, hopefully it won't be the last time that you guys wear your Broncos jerseys. So make sure that you get those uh, ready to roll. We're going to all deck it out in football gear, and uh, I'll let you in on a little secret. Uh, a Plum Creeker is a dear friend of mine, actually has credential passes for the Super Bowl. And so he's part of the media crew, and he's going to help us out with some fun stuff. You're not going to want to miss this. So he's going to be able to shoot some video at Media Day for Plum Creek. How cool is that, right? I was like, can I carry your bag, right? It didn't work out, but maybe sometime it will. So you're not going to want to miss that. And uh, grab these. Next week, we're going to do the State of the Church Address. I encourage you to be here. There will be no game next week, so there's no reason to not be here. And uh, it will be a great weekend. God, go with us. Help us. Help us to deal with some of the stuff we've been hiding. Help us to experience those comebacks. Lord, I pray that you will help these pieces of paper we're going to get to be filled with information that will help us to be able to do some introspection and some evaluation that's going to help us to make some great changes in 2016. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, congratulations. We are so excited for you, and we'd love to equip you with some resources, some next steps, and a complimentary gift. Just text the word FAITH to 40650. And if today you just need to talk to someone or would like to have someone pray with you, you can call our church office at 303-663-1714 and one of our pastors would be happy to spend some time with you. From everyone here at Plum Creek, have a great day.